This is Richard Epcar, voice of Bato and Ghost in the Shell, and you're listening to Nutty Bites. Hello, Mixed Net Cases. This is Nuke Joss, and today we've got an episode of Intro to Ghibli for you. This is the episodes where we, uh, Tech and myself, are being led through the world of Studio Ghibli by the uh, veterans, uh, Jen and Jason. So, uh, without further ado... Oh, 30-second summary. No, no, no. That's when you say hi. Oh! <laughs> we got to do the intros first. Yes. Hi, I'm a misplaced intro. I mean, I'm still Tech. And... <laughs> I'm Jen. <laughs> and I'm Jason. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be covering only yesterday. And I do want a little bit of disclosure that uh, I thought I had downloaded this uh, from a, a very, very special co-host. And it turns out I downloaded uh, the wrong uh, file. And so we started watching the neighbor, my neighbor, the Yamadas. And I was like, wow, this is such a different art style. So we're already spoiled on that. But then we realized we were watching the wrong movie. And so we went and we got uh, only yesterday. And when, when you when you see the Studio Ghibli movies in the in the theaters recently, they always do those little animated shorts. Yeah. At the beginning, so uh, I you know with that cutesy poo art, art art style there from my neighbor the Yamadas, I'm like, oh, is this like an intro? Is, is this is this the, the the featurette at the beginning of the main movie? Then the title card comes up, my neighbor the Yamadas. No, we're watching the wrong movie. Yes. So, so we're slightly spoiled. So really quick little factoid about My Neighbors of the Yamadas. Because we've done Spirited Away, right? Yep. Yes. My Neighbors of the Yamadas with that art style and Spirited Away costs the same. They had the same budget. Wow. <laughs> I can see that, actually. I can see that. Um, so instead, we watched only yesterday. And uh, because we didn't have enough prep time, we got the 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 sub version, but I believe you guys were listening or listening to, you were watching the, uh, dub English. Yes. 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 Dave Patel and Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley and, and uh, Ashley Eccleston. Ahsoka. Yeah. Ahsoka. Yeah. And, and there's also, there's a couple of voices I picked out because I'm weird like that. I picked out Stephanie Shea, who I've actually interviewed on my podcast along with Tara Strong. Who did is in of- everything. Yeah, everything ever. Like she's the new she's the new Wendy Lee. I swear. Like, did you interview Tara Strong? I uh, no, I did not. I oh, okay. To- because literally, when you say Tara Strong is going to be here, you don't get just anime fans. Oh, no. You also get the Bronies too, and the My Little Pony fans. Like they all came. Like it was so bad that year at AFO, they had to rent out a separate suite. Just for extra signings. I believe it. I believe it. So let's start with the tech 30 seconds under Murray. I kind of want to go clickbait with this one. It's like (laughs) only yesterday. Watch the uh, Isao Takahata movie that makes you cry, but not for the reasons you think. It's a movie about a uh, delusional schizophrenic woman uh, who uh, struggles uh, with a trip to visit her family while suffering uh, psychotically vivid hallucinations uh, of her. No, that's not it at all. Um, watch as a watch as a young woman reminisces uh, different parts of her life as you uh, watch a coming of age story happen twice. As you come yeah. of age while you're coming of age, but yo dog, did you like coming of age stories? Because I put one in your coming of age story. It's coming of age inception. Yes. yes. It's it's uh 
how can I figure out my adulthood by tapping into my inner child? Like, like seriously tapping into that inner child, specifically grade five. Yeah, that's a very specific I was going to say. It's like, very, very specific. A lot of my, you know, life changes or whatever, I don't think back on fifth grade. Yeah. I, Definitely the, what did I do? High school, maybe? Yeah. Like, that's where I would have felt, right? Like The only she, cool thing I did in fifth grade was make this huge volcano that erupted everywhere. I was having science slumber parties at school. Yeah, both of y'all's fifth grade is better than mine, so we're all good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fifth grade. But I was also, like, even more of a slow-developed uh, socially child than young. Uh-oh. How do we pronounce her name? Takao? Takao? Takao, yeah. It is. Takao. Takao. There we go. It, yeah, so we, uh, you know, I was, I was even more. I mean, I was still playing Barbie dolls at that age, so yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in fifth grade I was still on the verge of saying girls had cooties. I'm pretty sure. Well, so the, the one thing, the one thing I noticed, the interesting choice uh, in, in the scene where she, um, she, everybody tells her she has a crush on this boy, and she finally gets a chance to meet him, and they can't talk to each other. And on the walk home, when she meets him, she's meeting a boy that she likes and there's this awkward moment where they, they keep blushing and they can't really talk to each other because they're both they're so nervous and they're so afraid you know they're, they're, this is like a like a first sort of a a social meeting but the backpack that she's wearing that red leather backpack with the the, the roll over top I forget what that look is called but that's a schoolgirl's backpack for a very very young schoolgirl we're talking like kindergartners and early grade schoolers would wear that type of backpack. And there's a whole outfit that goes with it. So the fact that they're showing you she's still a kid, but and yeah. she's trying to do grown-up stuff, and she's, she's you know stuck in this tween thing, and it's weird and awkward and hilarious and not very hilarious. I had that backpack in third grade, and it was purple with good and plenty on it, and I loved it. <laughs> and I wore it out. You know... This movie, and I think we've said this on several occasions when it comes to Ghibli films, but they must creepily watch their children. <laughs> like, they just, it captures like, it captures the feeling of being that age when when she finishes talking to the boy and um she's and he has like to respond and he goes <laughs> yeah. like, no, but like when when that conversation's over and she starts walking home and she starts walking into the sky and she's flying and she's just like absolutely giddy i'm like yeah that's what that feels like i definitely i literally looked at jen and goes she's literally on cloud nine right now when she's um driving in the car uh, when he when he's driving her home and they're in like the dismal gray rainstorm but they're having fun in the conversation so the outside world turns into like bright sunny fields With like happy animals and happy wheat and everything, and then it go it cuts back and it's like dingy gray Tokyo. Yep, exactly. I, I love that. <laughs> this was the screenplay for this was written and directed by Isao Takahata, and I think one of the things that is not is not really picked out about him, and is something that Miyazaki doesn't have, is that Miyazaki gets children and that whimsical world that children live in really really well but takahata gets family really mm. really well oh the bickering with the sisters <laughs> like was it is, perfect 
He's got to be watch. He's got to be creepily watching his children. Like the, he's the, just taking the, notes. Yeah, I, either that or he was one of those bullied kids in fifth grade that like wrote everything in a diary. But like the the, the 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 classroom politics of this boy likes that <sighs> girl, but that girl doesn't like him, and the 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 schoolyard uh, politics is so accurate to what I remember fifth grade being horribly like. Well, and yeah. and I I had even said to Tech, I said, you know, it's it's that moment. Oh, this person likes you, and you you're stuck in that moment of, oh, well, do I want that person to like me? Does that mean I like that person? Well, if they like me, I must like them, right? Isn't that how it works? And you're so young, you're at this age that you don't even know what liking somebody means. And, and I love how that's paralleled throughout this whole thing. She again, where they seamlessly go between her in present day to her back as a fifth grader, and she's having basically the adult version of what happened then. Yeah, and it's it's really really good. Now, during the pineapple scene, was I the only one going? Someone's going to cut a finger off. Like this is a yeah. Takahata film. Right? They're going <laughs> to slice themselves apart. The it whole was... movie, he kept going. Oh, somebody's got to die. Oh, Grandma, <laughs> she's got to be like eighty. She's going to die. <laughs> and the, the the scene at the very end where the bus is going up the hill and the car is coming, I was like, they're going to crash and like everybody's going to die. <laughs> or this is like a hot film, right? When she's on the bridge in the rain and you're like, oh, she's going to get smacked so, by that car. They're <laughs> driving in the car in the rain and and there's like um, the headlights are making the dew glisten, right? And Tech just leans over. He goes, fireflies, it's coming. <laughs> and I said, you're not allowed to taunt me about that unless you watch that with me. And then he goes, nope. And he shut up. So uh, <laughs> one of the things, Takahata took 17 members of the drawing staff on a trip out into the country where they went to a safflower farmer's farm and they videotaped their entire journey and videotaped the entire process as they all learned how to pick and culture safflowers to uh, make the rouge. One of the artists, uh, actually she was taking – the farmer's name, by the way, Nutty, is Inoue. Really? Uh, Inoue is the name of one nice. of, the, one of the, the senseis of our art, our martial art. But uh, the, this, this farmer took one of the artists under his wing and really went in-depth with her in teaching her all of the production steps. And she would spend hours drawing safflowers. So much so that for the next year, everything she drew resembled safflowers. Uh, uh, apparently, according to the note, uh, she couldn't even draw like anything mechanical like a car because it would turn into flowers. That's amazing. I will say that the art was so fantastic. It was definitely one of my high points. And mm. there was one scene when they're, she's in the imagination and um, she and the guy, they're, they're in a cart of hay. And I'm just like... Look at that hay. And I turned to Tech and I'm like, could you imagine watching this high? Because I'm blown away so totally sober. Miyazaki is known for killing animators. Takahata yeah. in this movie murdered a bunch of animators because... And matte he, painters. Well, I'll get there. Oh, Thanks sorry. for ruining my punch. Go ahead. <laughs> Say it as if I didn't ruin it. Go ahead. But Takahata not only killed animators, he killed matte painters. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Cody. Sorry. Anyway, uh, about the anime, uh, this movie was absolutely groundbreaking for a uh, for an anime at the time because of the level of detail of animation in the faces. It's not just, uh, 
you know, speed racer, oh, with a moving background as they show shock and surprise. They animated the cheeks and the cheekbones and the smiles and the teeth and uh, the, the scene where they're playing baseball. And the, the full wind-up and all the batters having, oh, he's got a one-footed stance as they're all trying different ways to hit the ball and they all get struck out. And that level of animation had never been seen before. It was one of the, the big reasons why this movie was such a, a, a runaway hit. But the, the matte painters, I mean, any one of those backgrounds, the, the one, done as watercolors, which was an interesting choice, but especially in the... Uh, the, the nostalgia scenes, the further back into her memory she went, the more watercolor yeah. it turned into. But you could take any one of those backgrounds and hang them on your wall. Oh, absolutely. And what about the, what did you call it, like the uh, multi-layered parallax? Oh, the the, the the scene where she's driving through the, the safflower fields and she's looking to the side and she sees her family. I counted at least seven different layers of parallax scrolling to give you the illusion of depth. As she went through the field because they animated each row of flowers moving in a different direction at a different pace to give well, you I mean, an illusion of depth in a 2D okay. plane. Well, dude, I mean, look at how the movie opens with the skyscraper, like the skyscraper scene where they're literally it, the movie opens and she has the opening narration and it's juxtaposed over going up this giant skyscraper that's reflecting the sky back at you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well. There goes a crew of dead animators. <laughs> All, right. All right, Takahata, you're catching up to Miyazaki numbers here. Um, so I don't and- have much about the voice cast because we watched the sub. Yeah. Uh, I do know that the uh, lead voice in this was also the lead voice in Lupin. Oh, we haven't seen that one yet. No, but... Um, the Castle of Cagliostro hmm? uh, is the one Miyazaki uh, Lupin movie. Considered to be one of the best Lupin movies, by the way. Hmm. But uh, the uh, the American cast is just absolutely the, uh, the the the. So tell us, how did they sound? Um, honestly, the movie is really it's really carried by Dave Patel and Daisy Ridley. Uh, Daisy Ridley. I mean, they're wonderful. And again, like because I focus on voice actors and stuff, like hearing Stephanie Shea and Tara Strong in this, I'm like, I know them. Why are like? And I, it's one of the things like it 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 weirds me out that they're not the leads. Um, both of them are side characters, and then there's other people that are aren't aren't named, uh, but they do side voices, like side characters and additional voices. Um, and and it was really good. I I don't think I've out of all the Ghibli films that I've seen that have been dubbed and redone since the inception of G Kids and Disney picking up the rights to distribute the stuff. I don't think there's a bad one among them. Like I would love for there to be one because it would show that Disney and Ghibli can make a mistake. Uh, but I, I haven't found one. But no, like, I honestly, I really have not come across an English dub that they've done that isn't good. And the worst part oh, is the one that was absolutely disastrous that they had to redo. Because um, they didn't redo me. They didn't redo Mononoke because they actually took the dub they made when it was under the Miramax label and reused it. No, there was um, one. No, uh, yeah. No, the, 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 the one with the big giant bugs and Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, uh, Nausicaa. 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 Wasn't that the one that had... No, there, there was one that, that had a, an awful, awful, awful dub in the 90s. They changed the entire story around. Oh, was that um, Howl's Moving Castle? Yes. Yes. yes it was Howl's Moving Castle. Because that was what made um, him never want... Made... 
uh, Miyazaki never want to have uh, an English dub. Yeah, and then Disney was like, no, 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 we promise you'll have full creative control. Yeah, yeah, they're like, hey, look, fam, we're Disney. We'll show you how it's done, bro. You're Japanese Disney, we're Disney's Disney. Let's work together. I I found the uh, I I don't know I, I don't know any of the, the the Japanese voice cast, but I have to say they did a a very very good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought all the voices were great. Um, None I, of the kids were like annoying. A lot of times when people are trying to do kid voices or they get kid actors, I I find that the the voices can grate on my nerves. But um, these were all just pure. Yeah, it was really good. They are. I do want to give huge credit to. Uh, the guy that was playing um, the farmer because his laugh <laughs> was so good. Every time he would laugh or chuckle, it was just so endearing and charming, and it just drew you in. In, in the English, in the English uh, dub, anytime they're in the car and he giggles, was he doing the goofy? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he should have been. No, oh. no, 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 that would have been a, that would have been a brave acting choice right there. <laughs> Um, uh, that was that was Dave Patel, and um, honestly, like it's 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 kind of sad though because the whole time I'm like, "Yep, that's Dave Patel." Like I just, I like, I don't really know Dev Patel too much, um, but I don't, so I don't think that, that would have taken me out. Uh, I I I'm just curious if like, well, first off, who did Ahsoka play? Like, I think that might have taken me out. She was the uh, the young girl. Oh, she played the young version. I could see that. All right. That's cool. But yeah, you know, and it's, again, like, I go back, like, to Takahata's skill in this, like, and I hate to say it, like, but the whole time I'm like, somebody's got a croak in this movie, like, because, again, like, he's made this film so relatable on so many different levels, like. By the way, someone did croak. We just didn't see it because notice grandma's living with the sister. Yeah, that is true. And the parents aren't around. Yeah. That is true. Grandpa's not around either, so... Grandpa was dead in the beginning. Well, I assume, I assume Grandpa, Grandpa died around. in the war. Which is... Yeah. Which was, yeah. Man. He was one of the I kids also... in Grave of the Farm. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing is, um, this... I was a little confused on timelines because she's in grade 5 in 66. So she's 17... They say she was 27 at the beginning. Yeah. So that's 17 years later. So that would have been 70 or 83. Oh, okay. 83. Yeah, I guess it tracks. And she talks about how her sisters felt the 70s were like the best time. And she's yeah. like, I was just growing up during the 70s. Which is that. why, uh, you know, when in 83, when a homeboy goes to pick her up at the train station and he's wearing a short sleeve pink hoodie with a red and orange ball cap. It's a bold choice. That's a bold choice. He is the total hipster. And high-waisted gray jeans. He is the total hipster. He way, he he was wearing that before it was cool. He was an organic farmer before it was cool. Did you guys yeah. see everybody in here wearing grandma p- pants? Like, the denim was up to their belly button. Well, it was oh, yeah. the 80s, so that does track. The 70s would have also tracked. Dude, I'm telling you, like, Miyazaki, like, Miyazaki can't get this kind of time travel right. Like... Takahata's like, hey, I'm going to show you guys the 80s. Like, well, <laughs> had this been a Miyazaki film, everybody would have had tuberculosis. <laughs> also, Miyazaki tends to do like kind of a timeless feel. Yes, like you don't get a... Like, the Again, the only movie I know of by Miyazaki where it's a specific 
time frame is the wind rises. Whereas everything else of his is fanciful and kind of you, it's not mm-hmm. concrete as to when it is. Yeah. Um, or it's in a completely different place. Looking at Laputa Castle in the Sky, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, and Howl's Moving Castle. Like those are like you can tell Howl's Moving Castle is probably Europe somewhere. That's about yeah, it. You look at things like uh, you look at Totoro or Kiki, and yeah. they could be almost anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same thing with same thing with Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be any small town. Absolutely. So I was blown away by the art. I was blown away by, um, I don't know, I was pulled into this story, even though it's not like a very defined plot. It's more of like, um, you know, inner analysis of feelings and developments. And she explains it at the beginning when she says like she was going through a transformation when she was a kid and that she was going, she's going through another transformation. But I was, I was engaged um, throughout the entire thing. And uh, there were a lot of pieces of, uh, of her that were completely relatable for me. Dude, It's a character study. Like that's, yeah. that's literally what it is. And it's, and like I was sitting here watching it and I'm like, I loved her family dynamic. Like when they have these scenes at the dinner table and it's just this awkwardly quiet scene and she's trying to talk and the two older sisters don't want to lower themselves to speak to her. So as you notice, they're animated with their noses high in the air, chins raised as they eat stubbornly. And the mom always has to remind her that she should eat what she's given. And it's yeah. just, oh man, like, I'm just like, so like, oh. I, I saw this video, um, uh, this YouTube video by this couple. She's from Houston. He's from Japan. And it, they talked about the differences in cultures. And one of the things that he was explaining is that when he was growing up, the, the reason why you see a lot of like on a lot of restaurants and no substitutions is it's considered very rude. It's a grave rudeness to say that you don't like something. And when they were going to school, you had to eat everything, whether you liked it or not. They were an island nation surrounded by yep. enemies that was firebombed and nuked into submission. In 19- The thing with the pineapple, why the pineapple thing was such a big deal is even in 1966, they didn't have fresh fruit yeah. in Japan. So finding an entire pineapple was prohibitively expensive and very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah, Not the, liking something on your plate, the, people starve to death. Takahata is gonna is gonna horrify all of us in a little while when we watch Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, all of us? No. Nope. Well, he's horrified <laughs> me enough, and all I read was a plot summary. Okay, people died of hunger. N- not even counting the 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 war that ended in 1945, just of hunger and poverty. And it, it had repercussions all the way through until the the big massive bubble, the the, the, the bank bubble in the 70s and 80s when Japan yeah. finally started to, to, to work their when way out of this. they became an electronics giant. Right. Right. But it took mm-hmm. 30 years for yeah, that to happen. Can... So you can imagine an entire culture for 30 years of not having a lot of food and people starving to death. You're not going to pick the onions out of your dinner. You're going to eat them because I didn't have onions and grandpa died. And grandpa you know? died. Yes. Cause he didn't have onions. The scurvy got him. Savage bomb to drop at the beginning. <laughs> like, so casual. Grandpa's dead. You know that. 
eh. Well, I mean, you never see Grandpa, so. Yeah, I mean, you could have assumed, but Takahata's like, no, fam. The angel of death is looming over this movie. <laughs> so, the, the other thing is, I do want to point out that, uh, well, and in addition to the, all of that is when her mom says, I'd rather you were a, a better eater than a, a good eater than a good essay writer. Yeah, bruh, her mom was throwing shade. The her mom was whole... savage. So at, at one yes. point, the mom said she was not a normal girl. Mm-hmm. But oh, they were talking that, about that, her. that heartbreaking scene in the stairs. Right? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Like, I just, her mom was savage. But, like, the only thing brutal. that I saw that was any any different besides the fact that she didn't like pickled onions. Or, oh, or, that's or fine. pickles. Or, yeah. it, pickled radishes and onions. When yeah. she says, you oh. know she's not normal just as she hits the bottom of the stairs and then you watch that they animated the shiver going mm-hmm. up mom's spine as she realizes that she's right behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then like, and like the, the other scene, like... That just... That scene hit a little too close to home, just gonna say. But, like, there was no difference to her besides that she didn't like certain foods and she wasn't very good at math. Yeah, she wasn't like the others in the sense that she wasn't always well-behaved. She was obstinate. She was... Those older sisters were not well-behaved. No. They were super spoiled. Like, well, he only buys us one big thing or he gets you little things all the time. I'm like... Yeah, death by a thousand cuts, huh? Mm. Like it's like, and then another scene that again, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm not trying to say Takahata hit his kids or something, but this scene, the slap, bro, that it was, it was all too real, man. Like she's like, because one, the dad up to this point has been very stoic, but he's been caring. He he calls her little bear. And he's got these moments where he actually has these genuine, like, very dad moments, but they're very tender. Like, when she won't eat the onions, and he's like, she's like, dad will eat my onions. And he's like, mm-hmm. And, like, and there's other moments with those two that he barely speaks in, but they're really good. And then she realizes when he decides that he's not going to baby her and he's going to just let her stay home, and she's like, I'm going to go and runs outside and they even show you like Takahata gives you a quick shot. She doesn't put her shoes on and she goes outside and he's like, without shoes. And I'm like, oh, but the, the thing is, is that you could see her face as she realized that they were leaving her behind and that she still wanted to go. She just wanted somebody to ask her. She yeah. wanted to be convinced. She felt and, abandoned, abandoned. And then you see that she is in pre meltdown. She's like nine out of ten. She's ready to go. She's just ready to have a breakdown because she's not a baby and she's not a grown up. But she just wants she just wants a little attention. And then dad smacks her. For not having, for taking two steps outside without shoes on, and, and on then the you have a meltdown for an entire other reason. And she's she's on the carpet, like she's not like she's on the sidewalk. She's on like the little placemat. Like, and the thing is, he smacks her so hard that her face swole, and it, and it stung down. all night. <laughs> I mean, that was not just a a a, a, a reaction. That was a open this hand. Smack, and you know what? That is the turning point because it went from daddy was um, uh, encouraging her, and now after that, we start to see daddy saying no to her over and over again. Maybe now we know what he does for a living. I mean, who else could smack a woman that hard? He must have been a well, he does wear a a dark silk robe everywhere he goes, and 
He must be a pimp. That must be his day job. And and if you notice, the older girls are only asking him for like clothes and purses. Like they're not asking him for money. Can I get or- five thousand yen? Oh, sorry, that was in that. That was the farm. That <laughs> yeah, was- that was a farm girl. <laughs> for what? Pumas. Pumas. And then they even. I, by the way, I love it. Like this product placement is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it is the best. Like, it is literally just an entire frame of a glowing Puma symbol. It, oh, it's the best. It's, it's, it's all too real. It's all too good. And, you know, if you just showed the kids scenes, we'd probably go and, and then showed all the adult scenes later. We'd say, well, what was the point of that? That was just a bunch of random stuff. We needed that interspersed with um, her 10-day vacation out in the country. He seamlessly goes between the fifth grade years and her modern day. And he... and he. In the beginning, purpose- I was a little confused. It took me a second to realize it was the same person. Yeah, and he purposely, I think... And I, I think as, as it goes along, as she's getting more and more kind of clear and separated from these things that she's kind of holding on to the transitions become more apparent. Mm-hmm. Whereas before she's a mad woman. Like she's literally oh, just when they, when they're crossing each other on the train. Yeah. Oh, like she's, yeah. She's, she's having these lucid dreams of her past and like, there's no telling what's reality and what's not. Like, I, I really thought that's where the story was going. I thought we were watching uh, somebody having some sort some sort of like uh, psychological break. I thought we were watching. This reminded me of, of, uh, like Brazil or Sucker Punch, yeah. or, you know, we Requiem were, we're, for we're a watching. dream, maybe. Huh? Or Requiem for a dream, maybe. I don't know that one. Oh no, no, wait, that one. Uh, crash, 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 crash. With um. Yeah, we with, didn't uh, see that one either. Andre two thousand. So yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so no. What didn't we like? Um. Well, at first we were we we were getting mad at the ending until we realized the ending was during the credits. Yeah, yet yet again, a Miyazaki movie that just stops and doesn't end, and they explain everything. They they, they give you the 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 heartwarming finale that you want as an epilogue. Yeah. Um, See, I liked the ending because for one reason or one reason, one reason or one reason only, it's silent. Yeah, I, know, I I love the real ending. We love the real ending. It's just the credits start rolling, and Tak and I are like, "That's it." She gets on the train and leaves. That's the end. And then we see the full end, and we're like, "Oh yeah, that's good. I like have that." Have you guys have you guys ever seen an anime called um, Rujin Z? No. Or Rojin Z? No. Ro- okay, Rojin Z is about a little old man who is in like hospice care, basically, and he's plugged up to this super bed that's keeping him alive, basically. And he somehow I can't remember what how this happened, but his I think the super bed gets possessed by his dead wife and it decides to go on like it decides to go on one last like adventure with him because they wanted to do this one last thing together. So basically this little old man is now piloting a possessed mech and there are moments in it that are like that train scene where he's having these like mental breaks and reality is just not there anymore. Because that's all that train scene was. Like no, her that whole... train scene was beautiful. It was her accepting the innocence and the purity of her younger self back into her life and letting her not make the same mistakes and to just follow her heart. Was she following her heart, though, or was she pressured by old women? 
No, she was following her heart. She was not pressured by old women. Now, you're, now look, your biological clock is ticking, and you need to get married. See, and to a point, I almost think that she felt like she was being told what to do. Because, like, mm-hmm. during her whole childhood, she was like, they were, don't do this, don't do this. Why won't you do this? Why won't you do this? Why, won't why you do this? are you doing this? And yeah. why do you right. do things that Right, and then you got way? these little women going, hey, you should do this. And it just, where she had been reliving all those, uh, you know, younger years as it is, I think it got to her. Mm, maybe. Uh, Tech, what did you say when you when you heard Grandma on the phone with her at the beginning? Or when her sister was telling her about her mom? Or, yeah, whatever it was. It was, um, Tech's like, wait. Grandma's Jewish? Because <laughs> it was the, you need, oh, he's a good man for you. Oh, this is good. You need to do this. You need to do that. But there's, the, there's that scene where they're they're on the farm in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's it's her sister and uh, the sister's, Grandma and the sister's husband. husband. And, and grandma. And they're talking about her like she's not even there. Yeah. <laughs> and this whole thing about, oh, she needs to settle down. She should marry this guy she met nine days ago. And she's too old for him. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't matter. She's older than him. It's like, Grandma, like, this throwing shade thing to people in the room is, like, through this family. This is, like, genetic. This is hereditary. It's, they're savages. Like, yeah. savages, man. Like, God, like, again, but the, the worst By the way, of all. I can totally relate. Yeah. So there's yeah. some crossovers I want to see. So uh, things I, uh, so no, we'll stay on lows before I get to the crossover. Other things I didn't like about this movie, um... A little slow for me. Mm. Uh, not a lot of soundtrack. What's the total running time? Uh, almost two, two hours. hours. Yep, it's like yeah. an hour fifty nine minutes and like some forty eight seconds or something. Yep. Okay, so so two hours. Yeah, two hours and um, a couple seconds shy of two hours. I understand that we're looking at it from the perspective of uh, you know a, um, a woman's memory is seventeen years after the fact, but the dad. Like this must be a trope in in Japan that I don't get because the dad reminded me way too much of Shinji's dad from Neon Genesis Evangelion, where he never says anything. He's just there with his you know his hands tented in front of his face and says like one word an episode, unless he smacks the crap out of his daughter for not wearing socks, for not wearing shoes. By the way, Shinji's dad is one of the worst dads in anime. Anything <laughs> ever, ever. I feel like that was. A really big trope for dads, uh, probably at that time also. And I don't know, like, honestly, when I was growing up, there was um, this one family that I would hang out with. And um, that's basically how the dad was. Son, the angels from heaven are revolting and are sending giant robots to destroy all of humanity because we're all sinners. So what I'm going to do is throw you inside this big giant robot. And if I'm right, you'll win. If not, oh, well. Off, yeah, off, yeah, off, off you go, like boy. That. No, just kidding. If, 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 yeah, if I'm wrong, you'll get crucified on the moon. <laughs> now, what's really funny is I think that's what happens in Neon Genesis Evangelion, but if anybody can decipher that Rosetta Stone that is an incomprehensible anime, you go ahead and tell me what it's about because I don't know. I just know it's got big, giant robots. See, what happened was after that ending, the guy came back. And he did another ending to oh, explain God. the non-ending. I bought that too. Ugh. So I liked the the music that was in this. Um, it got a little intense at points, though. Yeah. Like the scene where she was. Um, I think that's when I liked it. Like where she, I think it was where she was 
pulling the 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 flowers for the to do the dye, and it's like this. I'm like, oh my god, like this is. Well, like, see, it's like it a Jason start, Bourne when, movie. When she was pulling the flower wrong, though, it was this this calmer music, mm-hmm. and then after she figured out or how after she was taught how to do it. Um, and she was doing it much more quickly and much more correctly. It was when the music got much more intense. Mm. I just really hate that song that they used in the end credits. Oh, yeah. But, I have always hated that song. Yeah, so there, we, we know the English version. Yeah, the, the love is like a river, blah, 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 blah. I like blah. it in Japanese much better. Yeah, <laughs> Not nearly as annoying in Japanese, but That's I pretty. hate that song. I, I think the only reason is because I had to sing it in fourth grade choir and such have, you know, developed like should, sort of a bad should, sense memory. I should, think everybody sang that song at least once. Yeah. Should we replace it with Country Road? <laughs> and that was, I never knew that was written by a Japanese uh, little Japanese girl. <laughs> by the way, so I have one thing that I was slightly upset about. You can't mention the Beatles and not show the Beatles, okay? They showed like, the, the Japanese Beatles. I don't need Japanese Beatles. I need I need Takahata's rendition of the Beatles. She also said her favorite band wouldn't show up for another five years. And I'm like, what's your favorite band? Oh, I don't know. Didn't uh, she give a name? I could have swore she gave a name. No, so the, the, the Takara the Takara something that they mention uh-huh. is a um it's a it's a, a musical theater. Mm. Uh mm-hmm. Outside of Tokyo, where they do uh, Western-style musicals with an all-woman Japanese cast, and it's this huge thing. Okay. It's owned by one of the. It's owned by one of the rail companies. It's been going on since at least like the 1920s or the 1930s. It's massive. And the you know it's funny. Um, the dad's reaction to that, which is one of the more visceral reactions, you know, outside of slapping his child. Um, is when they were talking about she could become a star and and, yeah. all of them, and he's like we're not gonna have an actor we're not gonna have a, yeah. a, 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 like he's like no no you will have a traditional Japanese woman life you will not be independent you will not go to that darn falutin acting school like I feel like that's the moment like in in a in an American movie he would have been jumping up and down at the table screaming and yelling about how she's gonna have a traditional life and he a traditional marriage th- th- this is where you you splice in the footage of the the pastor from Footloose John Lithgow uh, yeah. John Lithgow giving that speech exactly about the evils of dancing but um, th- then he looks to his wife and he says dinner and everybody eats, and then he lights a cigarette and blows cigarette smoke across his entire family because, while they try to enjoy their dinner. Because he's a pimp. That's how a pimp acts. Throwing shade, son. Like he he, he's is, literally throwing shade. He is a pimp. Um, oh man. And then, and then the mom, the mom has to support the decision. You know. And and she has to um, act like she agrees with it. But then the worst thing is when she's explaining to the director that she can't take the role, she makes it the kid's fault. She doesn't say, no, we don't want her acting. It's no, it's the kid's fault. She's too shy. She's too timid. Like, what the hell? Because she couldn't blame her husband. Uh, yeah, and how how hard would how hard would it have been to say we think she's too young to be acting? 
That would be what, yeah, that would have been much better. And, her, and to her, have, study, her studies are slipping. She needs to concentrate yeah. on her studies right she now. Got she got a D in math. She got a 25 Ooh. on a Ooh. test. There's no way that, that if I got a 25 on a test, there's no way I would get Saturday afternoons to breathe, see daylight. By the way, that was 25 a- points, not 25%. So we don't know what it was out of, but yeah. I, I wouldn't know what the I, – I wouldn't have friends. I wouldn't know what a television was. I would, I would like live in a hole eating like vitamin water and nutrient-enriched bread until I got a better grade on a math test. I mean – But when you, when you ask for help, would somebody explain – I'm sorry, what? You might not have a hand. Like you come home with that type of grade, your parents might take your non-dominant hand. Well, you're not using it for school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> might as well turn it into a lucky, lucky rabbit's foot. Um, but yeah. if you ask it was for help, they would actually explain it to you rather than. Lord, no, no. Oh, my parents. My parents worked at a lumber mill in northern Quebec. Okay, your dad is an engineer. My dad's an electrician. Yes. And my and my my mother's last grade of school was seven. Okay. Okay. So when it but came your to, mother when is it, when it ahead. came to math homework, it was Dad, I don't understand this. He's like, Yeah, uh-huh. Good luck with that. I'm gonna go make dinner. Now, also, to be fair, I this was super personal right here for me. When she's like, the mom's like, You're screwing up. Hey, your sister's smart in math. You go listen to her. Like, when I had trouble in school, my aunts didn't help me. They actually had my cousins come over and tutor me because they were in high school. And so, like, I, I was like, oh, man, I know this. I know this feeling. I know this, this, this being pushed off on somebody else feeling. I know that. So like, I have a lot of siblings. But I have two-thirds, and it would be one-quarter of two-thirds, so I would divide it into sixth. I mean, if I'm dividing, doesn't this make sense? And then the older sister just gets mad and says, no, just cross-divide, just cross-multiply. Well, she has a misunderstanding of what division is, yeah. but you're too stupid to help out your own sisters. Because so, the sister knows the formula, and she doesn't actually know why it works. That's the yeah. issue. Um, so I had a lot of siblings and, and I had a lot of homework problems. Um, ADD was not helpful. And, um, uh, thankfully my siblings, they did help me out quite a bit. And, um, it's, it's not till I was watching this that I realized it was like, when I had to do these kinds of problems, who was it that helped me? And I was like, oh yeah, my brother Vin. Okay. Uh, who's like a human calculator. That makes sense. Why? <laughs> but I didn't have to ask him. He just, mom was like, Ben's going to help you with this. Dude, I'm telling you, it's that, it's that instant thing of. And when I had yeah. problems with multiplication, my brother Sport wrote me a computer program to teach me. Dude, I'm telling you, it's like that, it's that instant moment where that mom immediately like, she's like, throwing shade. I just can't believe you came home with this grade. I mean, just, and the little girl's like, my science went up. Like I did better in science. And she's like. We were doing we were doing blow art and I got dizzy and got a headache. She was like, I, I. But then the perfect mom answers like, so you don't have a headache now, so you're feeling better now, so you know all the answers now. Go ahead and correct this homework. Uh, just throwing shades left and right. This mom is a seven. The mom is the senior is the senior is the senior chick. She's the one raising the rest of these for the pimp. Like. There's a word for that that we're all dancing around because we can't we're say it on the use that word. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. 
It rhymes <laughs> with. No, I'm not going. No. It's <laughs> a Aim slick back. You say the whole thing it's like a trap call quest. I love that our 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 general uh, not pimp knowledge comes from the boondocks, which is a great source of uh, knowledge for such things. So yeah, uh, every Asian meme came screaming at me uh, during the whole math scene. I felt and the, the way the sister reacted, like. What is wrong with her? Like it, it was like oh the, the the tattling older sister running down the stairs. Mom, did you see this? <laughs> like how could she even do that? It's like she spelled her own name wrong or something, you know? Like it is. They are some of the worst. Like, and you never see these sisters do anything nice for her. Like never. Like they don't even give her a pat on the back for it. Anything. No, and you oh, never yeah. and you never see dad do anything other than sit at the table, say monosyllabic grunts, and smoke and a smoke. cigarette. And smoke and blow smoke in that face. Well, he took he was gonna take him out for Chinese food, but somebody had to be selfish. Um, he had to stop and smack a girl. Look, she questioned his pin pen. He had to show her that that pin pen was strong. So we ratings. do not endorse or condone this. Uh, Nutty, can you bring oh, up the ratings? Yes, sheets? let me bring up the ratings. And um, before mm. we go into the ratings, I do want to remind people what these ratings mean. Um, you know, <laughs> we rate them out of 10, but it does not mean, you know, that a five is bad. A five is For some reason, a, a scale out of 10 to most people means seven to nine. No, yeah. we're going to use the whole scale, one to 10. So zero is horrifying, one is dreadful, two is tedious, three is boring, four is mediocre, five is average, six is solid, seven is exceptional, eight is dazzling, nine is penultimate, and ten is sublime. So can we change five and make it, just call it, I make little girls upset and they cry and run from my room? (laughs) Uh yeah, I think that's the one, right? That's the that's that is the rating that made that happen, which you know, it's one of the greatest moments. No, I'm sorry, that was that was I think that was a three that did that. Is that is that what he is that what he gave Mononoke? He gave he gave Mononoke a three, and that's just what below average, I think. Or um, hang on, it was it was one below mediocre. Here we go. Uh, boring. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, a lot of that's pretty long. It yeah, pretty was pretty long. boring. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so I, I want to explain to the audience and to that one little girl who I hope is still listening and probably isn't. <laughs> no. But <laughs> we're going to use the entire scale here. There are more numbers than just seven to nine. And I can like a lot of things about a movie. Like, I love the art in Mononoke. doesn't mean it's a good movie. So who wants to start off with the ratings for this one? Mm. Why don't you start? Me? All right. I'm going to give this a uh, 6 out of 10. And this is going to be six Fiat 500s having to pull over on an uphill stretch to let all the other cars go by because of it's got 40 horsepower. Would, of course you would pick out the car. Like, Man, the only thing I noticed was that he got passed by a yellow Datsun 240Z going up that hill. It's like, <laughs> oh, that must be the drift king of that mountain. I'd love to see the initial D crossover that's about to happen after dark where he tries to race it in his Fiat. No, 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 no. That's it's the it's the shonen version. So, tech, what, what, what was that? It was bus. it was six out of ten. Fiat five hundreds having to pull over. So I'll explain my, my ranking here because I like to start all my movies at ten out of ten, and as I notice flaws, I'm gonna I'm gonna tick away points. So uh, yet again loses a massive point. 
uh, or two for not having an ending. It just stops, and then they explain it in like an epilogue at the end. I like the epilogue. I thought the idea of having all the kids clambering all over the train and goofing off and being 10 was incredibly heartwarming. Uh, I was not a, a fan of most of the soundtrack. There was a lot of scenes in this movie that were just plain silent, and I, I get using that for effect, and it's been used before in this franchise of movies to uh, to great effect. And this one, it just sort of, there's a lot of moments where I, I was only hearing the sound of my tinnitus going, why is there no sound now? Something should be happening. And uh, I think my last big detractor is I just, I understand that she wasn't close to her dad, and maybe that's why the the dad character is confusing, but I found the the dad character to be very, very confusing and a little alienating, and it kind of pulled me out of the movie a couple of times that you're going to smack your child. The one time you do it in your life is because she left the house without shoes on. By the way, I'm going to say that that is probably like a great testament to your own father, because it means that you had such a good father that none of this dad is even relatable at all. Well, no, it, it's... It, and that's it's, not a criticism. That's awesome. Your dad's it's great. That she mentions when she's explaining yeah. that story that that was the one and only time my yep. dad hit me. And he bruised my face and it stung all night and I cried myself to sleep. Fine. Which is... Uh, which, a tip, which is a good reaction to, to something like that. But that's what set you off? That was your trigger? That, that, that was the straw, huh? That, that's what it was. Not those two other harpy of the older sisters that she's got constantly bickering at the at, at the He's table. He's already smacked them once. No, not they just any, get one. Not any of that other crap. But uh, that was the day, huh? That was yeah. it. Well, dude, and also, if you look at it, the mom's reaction. Because remember, mom's been throwing shade all movie. But when this happens, there is a look of remembrance. There is a look of, yeah that yeah he said he wasn't gonna do that again like that was yeah. like the look on that mom's face well, at least he's at least he's not using the cane anymore oh <laughs> like and see and i i agree with you tech um i like the way takahata directed this i like the way he wrote this i do like the way he structured this um i do love that blending of reality and fantasy it was, it was um, wonderful. It was a it, it was a good movie. Yeah. Yes, but I, I agree with you. I have to match your rating here. I got to give it a six, and it's kind of for the same reasons. Like the family scenes were so real and so relatable that that scene in particular is six so ones. jarring. It is. It's six little techies trying to not act like he likes someone because that. There's two scenes of little tech in this movie. There is the baseball kid, and then there's a little tough kid at the end, like who's like who's holding his dad's hand and walking all. Oh, and he spits. As soon as he sees her, he's like, "Oh, I gotta put my hands in my pockets. I gotta. I'm tough, tough. I'm tough. And then he get then he get then he gets one upside the head by his dad. Like, what are you doing? I love that he's walking down the street, be, you know, being walked down the street by the hand by his dad. And the whole time he's leaning away from his dad, trying to get as far away from him as he can. Oh, see, gosh. It's, I was just like, yeah, that's a little techie. Like, I just, yeah, so there he is. I'm giving this a 7.5. Uh, I feel personally attacked by this movie uh, <laughs> because the main character is way too relatable. Um, and that is somewhere between exceptional and dazzling. Um, because so many of the scenes were just like so real like that. I said I wanted a pineapple. 
I'm going to eat every single bite of this pineapple. And by the way, that pineapple was still bright, bright green. The reason they didn't like it is because they cut it too soon, even though the animation of that scene was amazing. Man, by the way, uh, I think we, we, me and, I look at Jen and I go, why didn't they just let it sit in the window for a while? Like, that would have been an amazing pineapple. Like, But they, they don't know anything about pineapple. They don't know that it's not supposed to be bright green. But watching, yeah, and, and this is the thing. The, the reputation of Takahata precedes him. This is the first movie of his I've watched. And that whole time when she pulls out that Japanese cleaver, it's like somebody's losing fingers. Like, <laughs> bro, I'm the whole time I'm like, someone's going to slit their wrist on this pineapple. This pineapple's going to get bled on. Like, you can't eat that. Jen, what do you rate this? So my rating is a five out of ten safflowers. Whoa. And the reason that I rated it five was I felt it was a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was relatable, like the whole sister thing, been there, done that. <laughs> um, the whole mom thing, been there, done that. But like you could tell from the very beginning of the movie – she was going to end up in the country because that's all she talked about. Yeah. She was jealous of the other girls who went to the country on vacation. Um, I th- and I thought it was cool that she was going to the country on vacation and working. Yeah. I'm, I can, you know. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, the safflower scene where they picked it and they processed it and they did all the, made the palettes of it. I thought was amazing. You're celebrating the deaths of those animators, by the way. I am. And hey, I am basking in their blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is the color of that rouge. Right. Um, and, and I, I, I loved how so much of it came into um, how, well, this was the crop of the area. Not many people mm-hmm. are still farming it anymore. Uh, what must those women have felt as they picked and made these rouges that they couldn't afford to wear? Um, mm-hmm. What must they have thought of city girls like me who would be the, the consumers of this? Um, I thought that was really deep. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. You know, one key moment in that scene, I think, was probably some of the best animation, is when they have the 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 leaves of the flowers in the basket, mm-hmm. and they're pouring the water over it, and they're they're shifting it to to filter this water off of them and to clean them. And I'm like, bye, animator one, bye, animator <laughs> two, bye, animator three. Like these these Takahata and Miyazaki are the grim reapers of art. Like my gosh. There's a there's a scene in this when he killed his foley artists. Oh, he killed his sound designer in that car. So the scene where he picks her up in the rainstorm on the bridge, and we thought she was going to get run over. Um, so <laughs> you can hear the the rumble of the engine, and you can hear the wipers streaking across the window, and then he. As the camera goes from outside the car to inside the car and he shuts the door, the sound changes. The camera then pans from looking at it from the passenger side of the car to looking at it from the front of the car. So you see the two of them in front of you and the sound panned around the room where all of a sudden the wipers were behind me where the windshield is. And then it cuts back to a side shot of him and the wipers are off to my left. So they stereo those sounds around the room as uh, as the sound source moves, yeah. as they cut from one camera to another. For a one-minute scene in a two-hour movie that's not about cars? 
Yeah, by the way, we we got the Blu-ray version, so we got the full Yeah, they murdered their audio. You you know what? It's like what this was was probably at a production meeting. Some sound design, some smart mouth sound designer say, well, you know what? I'm glad I went into sound design and not animation. You notice at the start of this movie, there were 64 people in the animation studio. Now there's just three guys in carpal tunnel braces and a whole lot of tombstones. Glad that never happens to the audio department. And Takahata's like, oh, you think so, huh? Well, you remember those safflowers I made them all draw? You're going to go nuts doing wiper sounds for the next week. Here we go. And here's a, here's a funny thing. Right oh, oh and, and the cutting of a pineapple. Oh, yes. Yes. And here's a funny little tidbit, right? In Spirited Away, there's a scene where that uh, Audi that you liked so much in that mm-hmm. movie was driving over cobblestones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, in the special features, they show you how they did that. They literally got an Audi. And, and drove it over cobblestones. So some poor sound guys like on the side of the road. Like, yeah, Please, hang it out the, the car. Just Yeah. I couldn't get you an A4. This is an A5. No, he'll know the difference. He'll he'll never see it, but he'll know. Go find me an A4. I don't care what it costs. Dude, it's, it's, those are the details that I think most American filmmakers could pick up on and learn from. I'm looking at you, Michael Bay, Mr. I film explosion. You know what? We don't, he's not going to listen to us. So I'm just curious, Jen, did you have more that you wanted to say about your rating? Because we cut you off. No. Okay. (laughs) Just, it was average. Yeah. I, I will agree with you. I think that it was a little slow. Um, and, uh, it's really funny. It's like, well, how long was Princess Mononoke? Was that actually three hours? D- darn near. Okay. Um, like 240-something. I think the pacing was probably similar, and yet I felt uh, more engaged with this movie, although I will say my ADD was wanting to wander because of the pacing. Um, I'm a Star Trek fan. I'm used to slow pacing. I'm okay. Wow. Like, I'm I'm okay. Um I just want to ask, so a 5 out of 10 for a slow-paced movie is a bit harsh, and this is me saying this. So I have to ask, Jen, was this just too relatable? Was that what the problem was here? I had a pretty average life. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't very exciting. Did you just just throw shade on the movie and your own rating? (laughs) No, um, like... Although the animation and stuff was great, the story itself was just not enough to enrapture me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like I had a hard time actually concentrating on the movie, at least the first half. Yeah, it was the hard second to get half, into. I was a little bit more. Yeah, the, the second half I was a little more into it. Um, I guess because I was looking for the conflict going on, like. Yeah, where's the but, conflict? There's there's not that natural story arc, right? Yeah. It was with Grandma. Grandma trying to tell her who to marry. Well, that yeah. wasn't until, like, almost the end. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to figure that out. The whole, the whole there was no real climax. There was, real, you know, no swell. Yeah. The, 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 what you expect from storytelling was not there. We gave it a cumulative score of 6.1 out of 10. Uh-oh. All right, so you wanted to talk about crossovers? When yeah, crossover. I like crossovers. So the the thing I noticed is that this movie uh, was made for uh, Nippon TV and was distributed of all of all the studios and the production houses. This was made by Ghibli and distributed by Toho. 
Yes. The company, yeah, that Toho, the company made famous for 50 Godzilla movies. Can I see that crossover where she goes back to Tokyo and has memories of her being a 10 year old watching like giant 200 foot lizards rampaging through downtown? Maybe that, maybe that's why dad is so quiet. Maybe dad works at that Tokyo power plant and he's the reason why, why Gojira is out rampaging through the countryside killing Rodan. Oh man. Or better yet, Totoro has to go big to stop him. Oh, that'd be great. I'd watch that. Oh, Totoro v. Gojira? Yes, please. That's why I... I that's what You I was... know what? Totoro would just lull him into love, and he would become a cuddly monster like Rory. Hey, they have defeated Godzilla by putting him to sleep before. So if... Godzilla's a Snorlax? So if um, Disney now owns Ghibli, and if all of the Disney movies in Final Fantasy are melding together in Kingdom Hearts, can I get Ghibli worlds in <gasps> Kingdom Hearts? Can they go to Totoro, and can they meet you're, Kiki? And- in, in Kingdom Hearts 3, you're getting close to that, but it's, it's, it's the Big Hero 6 world. Yeah, well, Big cool. Hero 6 will do. That's I'll take good. that. So it, any other crossovers? Well, like I was talking about earlier today, I'd like to see a uh, I'd like to see a big robot fighting game like uh, something like Capcom versus uh, Street Fighter. But I want to see all of the big giant robots and big giant monsters of Japan all crossed over together. I want to see Totoro fight Voltron. That would be cool. I do think that this whole area, um, I'm I'm sure I'm completely wrong. Uh, that this farm area is uh, the farm area that um, my neighbor Totoro takes place in. Granny's farm is just down the road. See, we need to, we need to go back and watch Totoro and see if we see any of those flowers. Yes, yes. Superdimensional Fortress Macross will fight in a single elimination match against the space battleship Yamato, and the winner of that round will um, uh, fight against the winner of Howl's Moving Castle versus the space pirate ship Arcadia. Yes, please, I'm in! But I don't know, man, I don't know how fair that is, because one, Harlock is constantly drunk, and he's better drunk, but... Howl has a fire demon. Okay, wait, 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 wait. But fire then don't, fire don't burn in space, man. No, we can totally get some really great scenes between Howl and and Captain Harlock. Captain Harlock, yes, please. And if not, somebody write that slash for me, please. please. Oh no, uh, better yet, Nukechas at gmail dot com. Send me that slash, please. Oh man, uh, Howl. Uh, Howl starts picking up on. Uh, on Esmeralda and, and Harlock gets upset with him. <laughs> okay, and so then I and then he know. has to show him that no, you should have been hitting on me. Yes, that's what I want to read. So, uh, Takio's dad from uh, only yesterday that we just yep. watched today, Shinji's dad from Neon Genesis Evangelion, Captain Harlock, Captain Glovel from the Macross, and Howl all sitting at a table staring at gentlemen. Only one of us is allowed to be brooding. <laughs> we will all stare at each other until there is only one of us left. <laughs> hmm. That would yes, be one of indeed. the most hmm. pensive rooms ever. I think Harlock wins. I feel like on the outside, though, it would be like all of the women from that show going, <laughs> oh, especially what's her name from Howl's Moving Castle. She, she just turned into an old granny and be like, ah, whatever, let me go take care of things. What's next? Oh, okay. But next we have, uh, apparently this is Jen's favorite, uh, Palm Poco. That's not Jen's favorite. <laughs> is this the raccoons? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. 
By the way, it's another Takahata. Let's do this. Let's go all Takahata. Wait, Let's isn't my, isn't my neighbor the Yamada's Takahata as well? Yes. Good, because that's the next one after this. <clears throat> look, 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 look. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I just, I'm so glad you guys have a camera now because I got to see Jen's face for that. Bruh. Okay. Like, you guys, like, luckily, like, I don't know if it's lucky or not, but sadly, you won't be able to see Jen's initial reaction to that movie. Oh, man. Like, I thought she was going to throw things You don't at me. understand how many roadkill raccoons there are down here. <laughs> and by the way, he kills animators throughout that yeah. movie. If, if I don't play Run With Us at some point during the next episode, um, I all I know is that this movie has to do with um, raccoons and Jen is traumatized because of roadkill. Yeah. But, but I, I will but I will say this. If we're gonna go Takahata, we might as well just do it all because he only has a few movies. Because Ooh. I say this all the time, but it's true. They only let him out of his cage every few years. Like Grave of the Fireflies is in eighty eight. This movie was in ninety one. Um the next one he did was in ninety four. Um it's, I had it it's as up. frequently as the animators union will let him do movies, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like Let's see, like, here we go. His filmography, right? 88 was Grave of the Fireflies, which is what put him on the map. 91 was Only Yesterday. 94 is Pompoko. 90, <clears throat> excuse me, 99 is My Neighbors of the Yamadas. Wow. And then 2003 is Winter Days, which is a short that he did. And then in 2010, he did Wait, Anna so Pompoko's Takahata? I have it marked as Miyazaki. Nope, it's Takahata. No, mm, okay. And then he did a uh, he did an Anne of Green Gables, Road to Green Gables in mm-hmm. 2010. And then his last film was Tale of Princess Kaguya, which he was robbed of an Oscar for. All right. So, um, yeah, no, we've we've broken up the viewing order. Originally, we were going to do it by release date. And then we changed it when we realized we had a bunch of sad stuff all together. So it's only yesterday, Pompoko, and then my neighbor, the Yamadas, which just from the br- brief glimpse that we saw, uh, is going to be like a pick me up, hopefully. Oh, dude, I it's that, like watching cartoons after fr- watching Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it is. I'll put it as a my neighbor's the Yamadas is honestly uh-huh. it it doesn't have a story. It's kind of just like. An experience? Don't tell us anything. I love the fact that in the the the, the two or three minutes yeah. that we watched while we were well until the title card, um, that one of the main voices is the my first fav- voice we hear. The first is- voice I hear is my favorite voice actor. It's Tress McNeil, and she's doing her Hattie McDougal, the crazy cat lady from Futurama voice, made me very very happy. I'm like, hello, Tress. That was awesome. But yeah, so next time we're gonna watch Palm Poco, and we hope that you join us. Um, and if not, you listen to these and get an idea of, hey, maybe that's a, a good sh- movie I should watch. Um, how long? How long do I have to prepare? <laughs> <laughs> You've already seen it. You're good. I know, but I have to watch it again. <laughs> well, would you prefer to not have to watch it until, uh, uh, like, right before we do it? Like That's this time? Normally, what I do anyway. <laughs> we could, we could, or we could watch that and then watch Grave of the Fireflies. What? What is wrong with you? I thought he Grave wants of the Fireflies to get to we had to do live. 
<laughs> no, we're not doing that live. No, 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 no that you had to watch it with the, with that yes, person. Yes, we have to be together. For there that. needs to be snuggle time in order for Nutty to watch that movie. I need I need somebody to cry on. I can't uh, believe I've seen that thing like three times. <laughs> you're you. That's self-torture. Yeah, that's self-abuse. Um, so thank you so much. Let us know, what did you think of Only Yesterday? Have you seen this one? I feel like this one's a little less popular. Although, Tech, there is one more piece of trivia that you discovered. Oh. This movie has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely. I didn't think that was possible. Why? Um, <clears throat> 7.1 on IMDb, but 100%. Yeah, a 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating with an average rating of 8.4. So. Well, dude, if you look at, what is the other one? He Critics are odd creatures. What is the one he did? If I'm not mistaken, Kaguya got a really high one, too. Well, we'll get there when we get there. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Jen and Jason, where can they normally find you? They can find us on our website at talknerdytomepodcast.com. They can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdytome. And they can find us on Twitter at nerdytomepodcast. Thank you. Bye. I was there at the dawn of the third age of podcasting. It began in the year 2014 with the start of Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast located at downbelowpodcast.com. It was a port of call for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers from all over the world. It could be a silly place, but it was our last best hope for intelligent analysis. Under the leadership of two veterans and two new viewers, Down Below was a dream-given forum, a place where everyone could come together to discuss the show with mutual respect. Down Below was the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. Listen to a story on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or downbelowpodcast.com. What? I, just go. Just go. <laughs> Jeez, now you make me edit. I was waving to Shane. Hi, Shane. Hi, Shane. Still you don't editing. have to edit that out. We speak to Shane every episode. Yeah, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You waved. You're on camera. I knew why she was waving. See? <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42.